Thanks. Good morning. Morning, friends. How are you? This is my friend, Max. We're going to have a little conversation this morning. Um, hey. Did anybody notice an unusual vehicle in the front? Kind of colorful. Yeah. That's Max's car. And where, where's Sydney? Sydney, his wife, could you stand up and show yourself to everybody? So... Max is here, well, he's got reasons he didn't know why he's here, um, but for us, um, in the last, uh, really since last fall, as a leadership team, we were um, saying, Jesus, what, what are your pain points right now? It's kind of a good question whenever you're doing like organizational analysis, you know, you're, what are your pain? We were thinking, what are our pain points as Believer's Church? Then it clued in, we clued in like, what are Jesus's pain points right now? And we just heard him say the lost. People that are far from me. It's just, my heart hurts. And we're like, okay, Lord, we're going to have to, you have to help us because we want to continue. We see people baptized, but we, we want to grow in this. And so one of the things we started asking the Lord was just, Lord, uh, bring us the evangelist. Uh, we've got some in our midst, but the evangelist is not just somebody who shares the faith a lot. The evangelist is somebody who equips us to be witnesses. Does that make sense? Not everybody's an evangelist, but everybody's a witness. Um, we'll look at that scripture later maybe. But, um, and then you remember back... Um, Oh, we've had some prophetic words come our way that just disconnected from us even asking that. Um, the, the, the most clear one we got was uh, something that Laura Kittinger came to the elders and said, I have to deliver this in person. And she just weeping just said, here's what the Lord says, go out. And we're like, well, okay, that's kind of getting, it was louder than that. Uh, it's like, okay, the Lord's being kind of obvious here. And then you remember, I don't know how many months ago it was when we zoomed Pete Gregg in while he was, uh, he and Roger Nix were out at the Asbury outpouring revival, wherever you want to call it, the sense that the Lord was <laughs> disturbing us, that the Christian life we, is daily and disruption. It's both. And that could it be the Lord is disrupting us in some way, particularly with the next generation of something he wants to do. So, um, how many of you guys know Sebastian Job? <laughs> I just love that there's as many adult hands as teenagers. I mean, everybody knows Sebastian. Like, hey, bro. You know, he, he's just the sweetest kid who he's been trying to decide what do I do when I graduate, and his dream has been to be a skater evangelist or something like that. And he's like, where do you sign up for that job? <laughs> so his dad, Bob, thought, and I'll just, I don't know, search online. <laughs> <laughs> if you know Bob Job, anything's possible. <laughs> and, and so, uh, long story short, he overheard a podcast 
I am going to tell this story. You ever heard a <laughs> podcast of a guy named Max Doty, who is a skater evangelist, who's being interviewed by a guy named Steve Addison, who chronicles church movements. And in the video is another guy named Troy Cooper. Troy Cooper happens to be a trainer for a, a church planning movement called No Place Left. Troy Cooper happens to have trained us at Believer's Church in No Place Left, which if you go to Jesus is the vision, that's our version of the No Place Left tools. So Bob was in Phoenix, Arizona, listening to a podcast about a skater evangelist. He couldn't track this guy down, but he knew Troy Cooper's name. He thought offhandedly mentioned it to Roger Nix, who had Troy Cooper's personal cell phone number, who then called Troy Cooper, who said, where is Max? He said, well, he happens to be in Phoenix, Arizona, which is where Bob and Andrew were at the time. That's how they met Max. And that's the simple story of the divine connections that have been happening. It's been bizarre. I mean, I'm telling you, it's been bizarre. And of course, to Max, he's like, I don't know, man, it's just the way I live. You know, so, so, so we've been hanging out with Max this week. He's, he's, uh, an, he's an evangelist with a group called E3 uh, that sends out missionaries and also the No Place, ne- no Place Left Network, who is with Roger and Dane are in India right now working with No Place Left. So these are completely unconnected things, but Jesus is just smart, right? And so we were like, who's this Max guy? And he ended up staying at Anna's house, Anna, uh, Max, and Sydney are staying at Anna's house because Dane's in India. And she's like, you got to talk to this guy, Kyle. And so we had him talk to our staff. He talked to Fusion on Wednesday. I was like, Max, you want to talk to the, the adults? He's like, sure, man. So um, that's who Max is. Welcome, Max. We're glad to have you you here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, pretty pretty crazy story. Yeah, Yeah. right? (laughs) Yeah, I've yet to hear too many normal stories from you at this point. So so Max, tell me what you're doing. You're you're driving this van from Phoenix to where? What are you doing? Um, So like kind of what we do right now uh, is my wife and I, we, we kind of live, there's like a bed in the back and a bunch of stuff, and we built it out. But um, what we do is, is I'm a semi-professional skateboarder. I met my wife at a skate park. She was an atheist when I met her, and then she ended up being the first person I ever baptized, one of the first people I led to faith. And So we got married about almost a year ago, and we decided to just go. Um, and so we, we take this thing all over the country and share the gospel at skate parks, um, coffee shops, restaurants. I mean, really everywhere. Um, but our target ministry is skateboarders. I mean, it's such a community that's, that's so that's longing for something more. Um, and and we're, we're just here to hand it to them and just show them that this is a gift that's free and that God wants to give. So yeah, we, we were just, we, we're unashamed, you know? So might as well, if we can't share the gospel while we're driving, there's one way to do it. So. Yeah. <laughs> So, so Max, you told us a little about your story. Like, so you, your dad is a skateboarder, right? You were kind yeah. of born into this. Totally, yeah. Plus also the whole kind of lifestyle surrounding us. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that. Yeah, so my dad skateboarded uh, in the 80s, and he kind of he actually fell away uh, out of it. But um, I, I started skateboarding at the age of four. So I, I can't really remember a time in my life that I didn't skateboard. Um, but, yeah, my, I got my dad actually back into skateboarding. He opened up a skate shop. 
Um, and so my whole life I was surrounded by community um, that was always all about skateboarding. I mean, really the two things. It was like skateboarding, punk rock, and, and weed. Um, and so... <laughs> So all you really need. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I mean, growing up, growing up skateboarding, and skateboarding is really just—it's a, a selfish thing. It's a selfish hobby, uh, art form, sport, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, growing up skateboarding as a kid, I mean, I first smoked weed when I was like seven years old, and uh, and yeah, when I was fifteen, my dad kind of started dropping me off at the skate park instead of skating with me. And that's when I kind of went down this road. Of, um, I mean, yeah, it's pretty heavy. But yeah, I, I just went down this road of, I mean, most of my life I hated God. I, didn't, I hated the idea of God. My, my parents are not Christian. Well, they are now, but uh, <laughs> they weren't Christian. And I didn't grow up in a household that opened up the Bible or anything. Um, and my dad is a great skater. Uh, I'm blessed to have a, have a dad like him. And, but yeah, I mean... It, all my life was about skateboarding, 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 the road to go pro, right? I mean, that was, that was it. I want to make money skateboarding. Um, and I got there, uh, but uh, it didn't fulfill me. Yeah, so, so I mean, when I was 15 is when I started being really passionate about skateboarding and taking it seriously. I was getting noticed by big companies like Vans, and um, yeah, I was, I was on the road to, to go pro. Pretty much, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's the skateboarding. I've, I'm, I still do it, but just for different reasons. And so you said, so you're talking about your spiritual history the other day. You started as an atheist. Yeah. And then I remember some things went wonky, and yeah, so yeah. you started trying spirituality. So yeah. tell us a little about your spiritual journey yeah. before so, Jesus. So the first, I mean, 16 year up to 16, um, like I said, I was like very uh, into punk rock. I played in punk rock bands since I was about 13, and... Um, yeah, well, I mean, it was really, really just hated the idea of God. I thought that the Bible was used to manipulate and control people. Um, and then when I was 16, uh, I started not just toes in the water, but diving deep um, into the teachings of shamanism, Eastern mysticism stuff, kind of Buddhism. And, um, and I followed like gurus in India named Maharaji and, and listened to teachings of philosophers like Baba Ramdas and, and all these philosophers for two years. Uh, I prayed in Hindu to false gods for, for two years. I prayed in Hindu. I did mantras, kundalini yoga. I had experiences um, that were not drug-induced so that um, I can only say now is, was demonic. And, and I would have out-of-body experiences where I'd forget my name and and all these things, and I tried taking psychedelics uh, to find truth. And I, I mean, I just kind of stopped searching for pleasure and euphoria, and I started searching for truth. And I didn't want it to be Jesus. Um, so yeah, just those two years persistently searching in Hinduism and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, so you you you. I remember you took a different turn at one point. You had this encounter. You couldn't make. It was a guy talking to you, right? Yeah. And you had this. Yeah, so tell me about, so how did you make it out of Hinduism, shamanism, that yeah. kind of thing, to Jesus? So uh, I, I played in this band called Slug, and uh, <laughs> it was rad. It was really fun. But my, my drummer, actually, so it was just a two-piece. It was me and my drummer, and my drummer's name is Atticus, um, but throughout my life, these are all true stories, by the way. His I, name's Atticus. I, I heard the other day that you're, you're, 
Baz has a friend named Queso. You have a friend named Balls. So Bob said, <laughs> they're cheese balls, you know, That's between so the two funny. guys. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Queso. I, I, have, I have some pretty interesting named friends. Yeah. yeah. So Atticus, um, at the time in my life, I was uh, like smoking an ounce of a week and uh, I was stealing money from my closest friends just to get weed. Um, selling mushrooms to professional skateboarders, partying, sleeping, cheating on my girlfriend with half a dozen different girls, um, just deep, addicted to pornography, weed, I mean, just the whole, that whole life, right? And, and, and everything in, in the world that any skateboarder could have wanted, I had it. I wasn't depressed. I, wasn't, I didn't feel unhappy. I felt like I found my truth. But um, whenever I'd jam out with Atticus, we'd go to his garage, and I would get so high, I mean, like really high, and I would sit there, and he'd start telling me about Jesus. And I was like, dude, I, like, I thought Christianity was a cheap way of enlightenment. And, and I thought that like, Christianity was just the Westerners' way of saying that they found truth. Um, but there was something deeper. Um, and so, so uh, yeah, he, he would always share with me. And it kind of just went in one ear and out the other. I mean, he would tell me like conspiracy kind of stuff. But, but it, it, I mean, I was like, yeah, man, that's so true, you know, like, but um, one day I was sitting, he was, dro- he went to drop me off uh, in his, in his car and I was sitting in the passenger seat of his car and, and he's talking to me about the truth of prophecy in the Bible. And he, I mean, I'm telling you, like, he talked to me about this stuff for two years, like every time we hung out. But this time, uh, I happened to be sober. <laughs> Believe it or not, <laughs> I happened to be sober, and um, he shared with me the truth of prophecy, and I'm sitting there, and I felt like I was on the craziest psychedelic trip of my entire life. And I'm sitting there, and I felt like my heart was beating. I could feel the blood running through my veins. And uh, so, long story short, I went into my room, and I grabbed this Bible, actually, and uh, after praying to Hindu gods for two years, I prayed to Jesus for the first time, and it was the only time someone answered. And <laughs> so that January 7th, 2021, about two years ago, was, was when I was just filled with the Spirit. And, and in a moment, I mean, the weed was gone. The pornography was gone. The, my language changed, and that tripped me out. And it, like... It, it, <laughs> it tripped me out that, like, that God didn't, like, I didn't have to try and try. Because for two years, I was meditating and, and doing all these things to reduce suffering in my life. And I didn't have to do anything for Jesus for him to give me peace. And it was daily. I mean, and the fact that I could just talk to God and he spoke back every day was like, oh my goodness, dude, this is like overwhelming. He wants to, Jesus keeps talking, you know? So, so yeah, I mean, like that, that was, that's kind of my conversion is when I got saved. God just, I was captivated by, by a love that I had been looking for my whole life. Um, Specifically more, more in those two years of me searching in uh, Eastern religions. But so then, you had a really interesting journey then from that conversion thing moment into discipleship. So tell me about that because you went on like kind of this journey. Yeah. You're just telling anybody yeah. about Jesus. Yeah. What was that right. like? Yeah. So, so when I got saved, oh, I, I actually, 
I prayed to Jesus and I asked him, when I got saved, he answered me in the word. I said, where am I going and where do I go? And I opened up the Bible that day and, and when I got saved, this is what saved me. I read idolatry and it was where I was going. And immediately skateboarding, women, all this stuff came to my heart. And then I turned the page. So, so, so in other words, you said, Jesus, where am I going right now? Yeah. And you opened it up for what passage again was it? I, dude, it was literally the word idolatry. It just, you open up. Yeah, I don't even I know. I didn't know jack about the Bible. So I literally just like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just was like, I know God's going to answer me right now. And I just went, Whoop, and it was idolatry. <laughs> and, and I remember the whole page went, the whole page went blurry except that one word. And, and I knew I had idols. But the second question I asked was, where do I go? And I turned the page and I think it was in the study Bible part because I have not found it in scripture, but I know it was in there. Um, and it said, the purpose of a follower of Christ is to minister the love that you've been given by God. And I closed the Bible and immediately, like, every weight lifted. And, and I had this passion. I, the week before this, I told my dad that he should do mushrooms in order to get rid of the fear of death. <laughs> and, I, and I get saved. And as soon as I get saved, I get filled with joy. And I run up to my dad and I go, Dad, I, Mom, I just got saved by God. I don't even know what it means, but I just got saved by Jesus. I'm like, okay, it's probably tripping again, you know? Because I was smoking weed with my dad and stuff. And, um, but yeah, when I got saved, I, I got hired at Goodwill. Um, and, and I was working at Goodwill, and I remember, like, I just got, I had such a passion to just share with everyone around me at coffee shops, restaurants, and God started to divinely bring people. Whether it was a 90-year-old woman looking at the books at Goodwill or it was like someone driving through the thing, and I found myself getting along with, with believers. Like, I've never gotten along with people. I would even, like, go out and, and search out to see who's looking at Bibles in the book section. And, <laughs> yeah. So, so in the first 10 months of me being saved, um, I quit. Well, I quit skateboarding for, like, a month. It sounds like not long, but for me, it was a really long time. And because uh, I didn't want to do anything anymore. I just wanted to follow Jesus. Uh, but he told me to go back into the skate park and share with the people that I used to party with. And, uh, and so I saw in the first 10 months, uh, 10 people get, give their lives to Jesus of me being saved. And, and, um, and I started to see, like, God would say, go to that person and talk to them. And I'd be like, hey, I'd, I didn't know how to share the gospel when I first got saved. I, I had no idea. Like, I just said, hey, dude, I was lost and I was found. I just told my story. And I would tell my story, and I saw people that would be like, dude, I was going to take my life tonight. And I've, and, and I've seen people, got, dude, I prayed that God would, sh- would show up in my life tonight. And then I happened to be in the city 45 minutes away talking to them about Jesus. And, and so I, the first 10 months, I saw miracles. I saw weeping and people getting just freed and saved. But I, when I got saved, I didn't, I didn't have anyone to disciple me. Um, I, but I grew. I just, I... I what discipled me was the Holy Spirit through the Word. I just read it, and it refined me, and I fell in love with this. I just fell in love with this. And I thought it was the same for everyone, you know? Well, you just give them a Bible, and they're going to fall in love with it. <laughs> and, I, and I started to realize, man, like, why are, why are some of these people falling away? And it was a burden on my heart, and I just didn't know how to express it. Uh, but I noticed, man, these people aren't growing in the way that, that I did. And I don't know why. So the Huntington Beach thing is kind of where. Yeah, yeah. So you ended up, how did you end up from going from Phoenix? So this is in Phoenix. Yeah. 
It's like you have your conversion. You're just yeah. telling everybody you know it, but then you somehow end up in yeah, California. Yeah. yeah. You want me to tell a story about how that happened? Yeah, go, go for it. Yes, okay, it's, really it's cool. pretty. It's pretty rad. Okay, so I was at a I was at a skate competition with uh, my friend Grant, and we both skated for this company, and we're out there, and I was I didn't like to compete. I was there to just chill, but he's like, "You got to compete, man." So I'm like, "Okay, cool, I'll compete." So I'm, I'm sitting there. <laughs> I'm sitting there, and I, I'm reading my Bible at this skate competition, and I look up, and there's a dad and his son, and it was kind of like all these companies had their own booths, their own little tents, and I looked over, and there was a tent with a dad and his son, and God said, those are my children. I was like, okay. I just kept reading. I introduced myself. I didn't really talk to them. A week later, our team manager bought us a room in Laughlin, Nevada, which we heard was the mini Las Vegas. So we're thinking, my friend Grant's a believer. We're like, man, dude, we're going to go share the gospel with all these people on the streets. Las Vegas is alive at night. Laughlin isn't. So we, like, go out at midnight, and it is empty. Like, the most silent place we've probably ever been to. And so we just skated around, but then we said, hey, let's just, like, sleep in the desert and, and like, go share this. Which is what you do. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. what you do. Yeah. 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 When in Laughlin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so we're... So we're, uh, we're out there, and we're like, let's go to this place called Needles, California. It is like the middle of nowhere. And so we, there's a skate park there. I, I know, that's a miracle in itself. There's no one there. I mean, there's no one there. And we go there, and it's dirty. We're cleaning up. And he had invited someone who lived in Needles that he knew to come. And we were going to share the gospel with him. We're like, yes, this is the guy. And we're cleaning up, and all of a sudden, his friend pulls up, and a little bit behind them is a big sprinter van. And we're looking, like, dude, who is this, you know? And walks out of that sprinter van is the dad and the son God told me was his children the last week. In a totally different city. Different city, like hundreds of miles away. Like, never had any contact with them. They're right there walking out of the van. And I'm skating, and his son, 14, he comes up to me, and he goes, man, you're so good. What do you do? And I go, I just love Jesus, bro. I just love Jesus. And he lights up, his kid. And he goes, you're a Christian? I go, yeah, dude. And he goes, my dad's a chaplain for the L.A. Fire Department. And we love Jesus. And we did, the whole reason we created our company was to glorify God. And so we're like, we're like a bunch of dirty like, skaters. We're just like, dude, like, where are you guys going right now? <laughs> they're, like, they're like, we're going to an abandoned water park. I'm like, oh, can we come with? Sure, we end up going out there. We go to Huntington Beach, and we follow them all the way back to where they live. So you, you just basically got in the guy's van and went? We, we followed them. Oh, you followed yeah, them? Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, I was like, dude, we're mobbing. And so we went, we went, to, uh, we went to Huntington, and, then, and then when I was out there, God was like, you need to move out here, live in your van, and share the gospel. So I'm like, all right, Lord, fine. That sounds great. You know, you, most things that God tell me would be counterintuitive, but this one was like counterintuitive, but it's, it's like, how could anyone not want to live by the beach and surf and share the gospel you know but like <laughs> right so so I, within a month i moved to huntington beach with no money like nothing my parents are like freaking out they weren't believers at the time everyone's like what are you doing you know i just god told me so i go out there five days in and it's new year's eve and new year's night and i get on my knees and i pray and i'm surrendering and even repenting of things that i needed to repent of and god told me, ask for a need. And I said, God, what do, what do I need? And he said, community. I said, okay, well, give me community. In Jesus' name, amen. I go to sleep. The next day, I wake up, and I had this shirt that I painted Galatians 2.20 on the back. I go to the skate park, 
and I'm sharing the gospel with all these people, and there's this guy, bald head, beard. His name's Troy Cooper. And he's sitting there, and he looks at my shirt, and he says, I like your shirt. That's very true. And I go, oh, let me tell I thought he was mocking me, because most people did in, in the community for loving Jesus. And I start sharing the gospel with him and my testimony. And he's like, oh, I'm actually a missionary, and I plant home churches. It's like, wow, okay, cool. And so he's like, let's get coffee tomorrow. We get coffee the next day. He says, hey, come over to my house. I walk into his house, and there's a grand piano. And surrounding the grand piano is a bunch of skaters and surfers who love Jesus. And, and so one of them comes at me and goes, bro, he says, for two weeks, my family and I have been fasting and praying for an evangelist to come into our family. And the night before, I prayed for community. So God used it. I didn't know how to disciple, and they had all the tools to equip me. And, and when I was out there, we saw gangbangers saved. We saw, like, all kinds of crazy stuff. But they kind of equipped me with, like, man, it's about walking with these people. It's relational. And so when I was there for a month, yeah, I, that's how I kind of found, like, there is so much importance in just walking with these people and loving them to Jesus. Um, I mean, Jesus walked with his disciples for three years, you know. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of my introduction to discipleship with Troy was just to go and to walk. So it's been really fun to talk with Max. As you know how, who here knows how to do the three circles? Raise your hand. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he's immediately, he's being trained by all the same guys. And a 15-second testimony, yeah, right on. You mm-hmm. know, 411, all this kind of stuff that we've been training You've been being trained in as well to be able to become disciples, but also to make disciples so that none of us can be in a position where we're like, I don't know what to do. Yes, you do. It's, it's a very doable thing. Um, and so one of the things I noticed, Max, tell us some stories now. So you've been on this discipleship journey. Yeah. I've had, <laughs> I'm going to tell on you a little bit. This is so sweet. This guy, because I, I was like, if you're a father like me, I just feel so protective of this guy. I'm like, nobody mess with this dude. <laughs> you know, he's, he's a youngster in the Lord, and he's so talented. So I was just asking him questions like, well, who's discipling you now, and what's that look like? And he and Troy are still connected to the phone. You got that guys. And, then, and he said, you mean like accountability? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, can I confess my sins to you now? And I was like, whoa, man. <laughs> That was just so sweet. It was this dude is pure as they come. And he has such a beautiful, transparent heart. Um, but yeah, tell us some stories about like, I, I've heard, I've only heard some of them. Like you're talking about your, your van is a Jesus van, but wasn't there some guy you just shouted, Jesus loves you at? Oh, oh yeah. that guy in the donut shop? Yeah. Yeah. Where, 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 <laughs> where was that? Was that in Phoenix? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so my friend Grant and I, I was, I was like my good friend for a while, but, um, but we, we, it's so crazy. So there's this, we're in like West Phoenix and there's a place East. Yeah. And, uh, it's called, it's called Tempe. It's like a college town. And we're, we're like, someone invited us to go get donuts at like 10 PM. Like what donut shop is open at 10 PM? And I think it's called like Alien Donuts. And so we're like... Pretty alien donut shop. But anyways, like, we, we drive there, and we're, like, pulling in. This is crazy, even just, like, we were pulling in to the Taco Bell right next to it to park there because there was no parking. 
And we're pulling in, and we were like rolling. It was in my van, and we were like, it wasn't like that. It was like painted with scripture all around. It was really bad. My, my wife did a lot of the good art on it, but I'm not an artist, so I kind of just, it looked like a kindergartner painted on it when I, when I painted on it. But so we pull in, we're pulling into this Taco Bell, and, and we, he yells to, the, it was him, he yelled to this guy, and we're like both, hey, bro, Jesus loves you. And he's like, what did you just say to me? And we're like, bro, we just said Jesus loves you. And he's like, what did you just say to me? And we're like, bro, Jesus loves you. And he puts his head down. He doesn't say anything. And we're like, that was weird. And dude, I remember Graham was like, bro, that guy just put his head down. We got to talk to him. And like, we pull into this parking lot and we park and he walks up to our van. And I'm, and like, I'm kind of thinking, is this guy like trying to like, like square up or something? Because like the way he kind of came off was like, he sounded mad. And he's like, what did, did you say it? Jesus loves me? And we're like, yeah, bro. Like, are you okay? You know? And he's shaking. He starts shaking. And he's like, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. I'm, he's like, his whole body is like shaking, dude. And he's like, I'm freaking out. And we're like, what's going on? And he, he calls his mom. It's like this college student guy, like grown, like grown man. But he calls his mom. And he's like, mom, I need you to talk to these guys. Listen to what they were just saying to me. He hands the phone to my friend Grant. And my friend Grant's like, uh, hello. She's like, what did you say to my son? And he's like, well, we just told him Jesus loves him. I don't even know what the problem is. You know? And he, and he, and he, she's like, well, he really needs this. And she's like talking to him. I don't even know what's going on. But I looked at him and God told me to ask him if he knows that Jesus loves him in here and not just here. And I asked him and he said, I said, do you know that he loves you in here? And he said, yeah, bro, but like, I'm really struggling. I shared my story. He said he has an addiction to pornography. And he's, he's like, we're just talking to him. And you can tell he's being moved. You know, I'm sharing a lot. And he's like, bro, where are you guys going right now? Always that question, right? Oh, we're going to a donut shop. He's like, can I just come with you? Yeah, yeah. We walk into the donut shop and God tells me, this is the first time God ever told me to tell someone this, but the story of the prodigal son. And I told him and I said, dude, Jesus is waiting for you with open arms. And he starts bawling weeping and repenting of sin that he's been in for years in my chest he starts crying and weeping and he says i'm so sorry god i'm so sorry i'm so sorry and he's weeping i mean like a baby and um and then he this lady at the donut she's like you want a donut he's like (laughs) yeah he's like crying he's like yeah please you know like so we get our donuts, and then we, we, we sit down, and he, like, looks at my friend Grant, and he says, bro, I really want to punch you right now. Like, dude, you were just weeping in our arms. Like, that. And he's like, no, no. And we're like, Grant's like, bro, you, Grant, he's so funny. He's like, you can punch me, bro. I love you. And he's like, <laughs> no, seriously. He's like, you can punch me. And um, the guy says, no, I'm not going to punch you, but this morning, I prayed that God would show me that he's still with me, even though my sin is heavy. And we showed up, and it was his birthday that day, too, Francisco, yeah. But, um, so that was, like, stuff like that was happening, like, all the time. And, and, and so what's been happening, though, be, with your training with Troy and yeah. MPL is about then bringing these guys into simple churches, right? So, so you, you've been like able home. to f- found some home churches? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. In California, when I was out. You didn't learn that in California, but you've, it's been happening in Phoenix, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, so... I, when I was in California, I got, God really shook me in the home church community. And he told me a month later to go back to Arizona. I was like, really, Lord, you want me to go back to the desert? 
<laughs> you know, but he's like, yes, go. So I go and I planted this home church and I, I like didn't, I just reproduced what I, what I saw. I just said, I'm just going to gather my friends that have been saved in Phoenix and I'm, let, let's just gather and worship. And so we gathered in the living room. First day we planted it, my friend Wyatt got baptized and we baptized him in my parents' pool. My parents are unbelievers. And all of a sudden, like every week, people are coming to Christ and people are just getting saved and discipled and baptized and walking in Jesus. During that time, when I planted laborers or when God planted laborers, Sydney and I got married um, because we had gone kind of before this, we had known each other because I said she was one of the first, one of those 10 people in the first 10 months that I led to Jesus. And then we were like, man, let's just get married. Like, no dating, let's just do it, you know? And so we just, I just asked her to marry me and we got married. But in that time, um, we just, we simply just reproduced exactly what I saw in Southern California. Okay, so you were in the home church network yeah. in Southern California, and you reproduced it in Phoenix. So mm-hmm. it was like, how many house churches do you have there now? So, ne- so it started off with one. We called it Laborers. And then now it is, because our vision is not to grow in number, but to grow in that number going out horizontally and, and multiplication. And so we've seen um, a chur- three more home churches planted outside of our home church um, where people are just, it, there is, God's doing some mighty things out there. But it's upper room, abide, and oasis, and labor. So, so we've seen those multiplication cities of Phoenix. And yeah, so that's how many we have now is four uh, okay. out of one. So church planning, and then let's, let's talk about your parents. So your parents were both far from Jesus, and yeah. what, what, went, what went down there? Yeah, crazy. So um they saw me come to christ i mean i was like had this like servant heart like i remember when i got saved dude like i wanted to do the dishes and stuff it was so funny like so i wanted to take out trash i wanted to love on them and i spent like two years praying and pleading in tears god save my family save my family so when i moved back from california the first time my twin sister gave her life to jesus the day after i got back during that time of her being saved, she is just on fire. And she is planting seeds in my mom and my dad, just loving them, loving them, serving them. And about three months ago, God, we were in California for like a month, and God gave me a vision of me sharing the gospel with my parents around the table, around our dinner table. And I knew, I just said, Sydney, we have to go. It's time. So we go and the vision, exactly like I had it. We're sitting down, Valentine's Day, and, um, and I shared with them for like an hour, and my parents just said, yeah, we, we, need, we need it. We need to receive Jesus. And I have, I have never seen, <laughs> I have never seen so powerful. When, when our church laid hands on us, my dad was weeping, praying over me. <laughs> and I've never heard my dad pray. And my mom's weeping, pray over, praying over me. And my, my parents are opening the Bible and my mom, every day. My mom's walking out of her room listening to worship. I've seen transformation in, in the both of them, and we've seen it. And it's so special. He says, you and all your household. And, and we believed it. And it, we were like, man, if, if God was saving families in Acts, then he's going to save families now. So saw my dad, my mom, my sister, my whole family came to faith. My cousin came to faith. Um, and so 
my grandma, who is like the one prayer warrior of the family, is seeing all of her prayers just get answered. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So grandma's been praying this whole time. Oh, grandma's been praying. Yeah. Even our, my birth isn't. Praying prayer. grandmas. Come on. <laughs> Come yeah. on. Thank you, praying grandmas. Pray, praying grandmas are running the world. We just don't know it. So one of the things, you know, Max has so many stories is, is just crazy, but one of the things we were talking about was, you know, that there's a scripture, Ephesians 4.11, that Jesus gives gifts to the body. You know, it says apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They're here to equip his people for works of service. Another translation is ministry. So the body's built up till we reach unity in the faith, knowledge of Jesus, and become mature. So my, my flavor, I don't know if you can feel this, but my sense is, is that Max is an evangelist. In other words, it, I could be wrong, but it's just this feel that there's this gift that Jesus gave to the body to help equip us for works of service. But in Acts 1.8, Jesus is saying to all of us here, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Mm. Not evangelists. But witnesses, he says it also this in Matthew 5. He said to his disciples, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be salty again? You're the light of the world. Town hidden on the hills. Same, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So what I felt like the Lord was doing for us through Max, um, and I think there's going to be more. There's probably a lot of mischief and adventures we're going to be involved in over yeah. the years, at least yeah. I hope. Um, is, is an answer to our prayers that what's on Jesus' heart is the lost. Where his pain point is people who don't know. I mean, just think about it. We have some hard days as followers of Jesus, don't we? But we have Jesus to talk to about that. But uh, yesterday, my, my youngest son graduated from Union High School, but about 10,000 people at this thing. And it was so good for me to be just immersed in the world. Just going, oh my gosh, peep, people are angry. And there's reasons they're angry. They don't know infinite hope at the depths of the soul. But I do. I can get over myself because Jesus loves me. And so what I was wanting, Max, maybe you could just, as we're closing out here, just to speak to this whole idea of how would you encourage us as being witnesses? There's a couple things like, also, you don't seem to be afraid to be rejected or mess up the gospel because you're just like, I'm already messed up, so here we go, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah talk to us about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like we were saying, like the biblical definition of evangelist is just to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Um, so all I know is, is in, my, in our state of Arizona, there is 7.2 billion people. And... Um, 92% of those people don't know Jesus. And so that means that it's, I think it's 6.3 million people, if they were to die in Arizona today, they would spend an eternity away from God. And it is our responsibility, according to Jesus, risen from the dead, given us all authority to go and to, and to share the gospel and to make disciples and to be unashamed of it. And rejection, I mean, I, I've shared the gospel with probably thousands of people 
and about a hundred has come to know the living Christ. And that hundred is worth it. We, we've, been, we've been cursed. We've been, we've been flipped off in the van. We've been told so many things that were violent. But when, when the church first faced persecution, they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer for his sake. And so there are people. Last night we went to downtown Tulsa at 2 in the morning. And there was a kid, Jacob. And I, I, we just spoke to him. And he started weeping, weeping. I mean, just crying no, with the recognition that he needs to run back to God. And so the harvest, we always say it's plentiful, but it's ripe. And, and we've seen in the just two years, hundred of people, hundred people received the gospel, radically transformed. We've seen people get healed. Paralytics move their legs for the first time. We've seen people on their deathbeds go to full-time work that week. We've seen the greatest miracle of all in a hundred people coming from death to life. We've seen gangbangers. We've seen people get trauma erased by just receiving Jesus. And, and so it's, it's not like Paul says, I came not with eloquent, wor- eloquent words of wisdom, but I came with the crucifixion of Christ. The answer to the void that all of this whole world is trying to fill, I was in it. I was in it for, for all my life, man. And I thought it was filled. But this whole world, I am telling you, from experience, from the harvest that we've been all over the U.S., wants the gospel. Everyone, everyone we've talked to has been intently listening. Almost everybody has listened to the gospel. Jesus was not made to keep to ourselves because we can stand in this room and worship him and feel his presence and weep, but if we're not going out to the lost and showing them this presence, then what's the point of it? What really? I mean, really. Ask yourself that. Am am I letting Jesus flow through me and not just in me? Because the Holy Spirit can live in you, but he can also live through you. And for him to live through you is to unconditionally and radically love people. To count others more significant than yourself. To be driving on that road and instead of seeing the crackhead on the street and, and, or, or the homeless person or the person that's drunk at two in the morning and being like, yeah, I'm going to pray for them. Park and, and die to yourself and walk up to them and just love them. Because the greatest way to love somebody is to tell them about Jesus. It's the best way. And I'm telling you, go out of your comfort zone. I was convicted of that last night. I was like, man, do I really want to go out to in the morning? And then when we were worshiping at her house, God said, your comfort is not what defines the Great Commission. It's my risen power. And, and so God, I mean, just to, to like the, the prayer of the early church in, in Acts about boldness, and it fell upon them. And in Acts 19, listen to this. In Acts 19, 8 to 15 million people, all of Asia, heard the gospel in two years. So, your, I forget what it was, it was three point something million, but your population in all of Oklahoma can be reached 
But it wasn't Paul and a few dudes walking across Asia. It was disciples making disciples making disciples. We need to go, and the time is now. We can't say revival's coming, it's here. And, and look at, I mean, if all these, if every single one of you in this room shared the gospel with one person, one person today, that makes an impact on the kingdom. If we want Jesus to return soon, like we say, Maranatha, all the nation must hear the gospel. And I can't tell you how many people I've met in the USA that have never heard the gospel. The, the gospel such an American thing, we think, but truly, people don't know it, and they want it. So don't be afraid to be reviled. I didn't know the gospel when I first got saved. I just knew how to share my testimony that I was lost, and now I'm found. So if you go to somebody, and you say, can I just tell you about how I've been changed? Because realistically, most of the population in the world does not have a story like you. Even if it's not, you're not, you know, grew up in the church and you took it. I mean, so many people grow up in the church and they fall away and people need to hear your story. They need to hear your story. So go and, and just do it. I don't want me to talk and you guys to be convicted because conviction should lead to action. I'm not here to say, oh yeah, we need to share the gospel and you don't do it. I'm saying do it. For the sake of the lost, there's people dying today that are perishing and spending an eternity away from God. And you have the answer in your veins. If you open your mouth and you speak the gospel, that's the answer to what these people are looking for. It's simple. (laughs) So we're going to close by... Uh, doing a little interchange of blessing one another. Romans 1, Paul talks about, hey man, I really want to visit you guys in Rome so I can give you a spiritual gift and we're going to give you one. So the first one, I'm wondering if you can pray for us um, and maybe even do something really bold that if you felt in your heart um, something stirring when Max was speaking, even in his story, um, and just want to receive some of that boldness that comes from the Spirit. It's just fun to be around this, this guy because he's just letting it flow. Um, maybe in that picture of with the heart, you know, Ezekiel, I mean, it was crazy. Tim was praying for hearts. We were praying before the service that God was going to soften our hearts. Then before the service, Sarah Royer had this picture in her head of God creating transparent hearts. Then we come out and sing about, here's my heart. I was like, okay, cluing in that you're going after our hearts. Could, could, if, if you'd like, maybe just for Max, you could pray over us for just uh, impartation of boldness. Would you stand right now? Whoever wanted it, wants that? Yeah. And I feel like God's just putting this on my heart. You, you can't go out and share with people the message of transformation unless you've been transformed. And the mark of true salvation is transformation. And if there's someone here who has not been transformed by Jesus, the first question is, what's, what's stopping you from living a life full of purpose and meaning? And if that's you, I mean, gladly, would love to walk through that with y'all. But if you guys are changed and transformed, you're made to go out and share that transformation. You will see salvation. 
you will see people revile you, but you will count it joy. You will count it a blessing that you're worthy to suffer for the sake of the one who died for you. So God, thank you just for who you are. Thank you that when you met us face to face, that you created us, not all to be evangelists, but all to be witnesses. To go to every person that doesn't know you and to say, look what I've tasted and seen. Look what I've experienced. From the depths of my being, I've been transformed and made new, and I am joyful. I pray, God, that you would anoint every person that wants to receive it in this room with boldness in the name of Jesus. That they wouldn't go forth wanting to speak the truth, but to speak it in love. That their hearts would be burdened for what burdens yours. God, that you weep at the sight of people perishing in hell. God, burden our hearts for the lost, for the millions of people in the state of Oklahoma that don't know you, that are just waiting for someone to come and say, hey, have you tasted the living Christ? Have you met Jesus? And the answer is in our veins. It's in our blood. It's in our being. And we just need to speak. God, give these people boldness to speak the gospel, to speak truth and life and the truth about who Jesus is. Not who people say He is, but who He is. So I pray for every single person in this room I pray boldly that they would share the gospel with someone today. That they would share the gospel with someone today. That they wouldn't go with the takeaway that in the next week they might share the gospel with someone, but that it would be an everyday sacrifice to share the gospel with every single person that they feel led to share with. So I feel, I, I feel like today... We all need to share the gospel with someone or just tell someone our story. So I pray for every person in this room to be anointed with boldness in the name of Jesus. That boldness from head to toe, but I I pray that it wouldn't just be boldness, but that it would be a joy to be bold. That it's so fun painting your car. Do it, please, do it. We don't want to be the only man. God... I pray that they would be so bold to just be unashamed to go to the places where they know they would be made fun of. Because he says, he who denies me before man, the Father will deny. And so would we not deny you, but would we proclaim you and be joyful to do it. So give them joy to share the gospel and boldness and love. Anoint them now, send them out, and commission them to be carriers and witnesses to the ends of the earth for the rest of their life, not just for today or this week, but to the day they take their last breath. I pray anointing over this place of boldness that they would see hundreds and thousands come to know the living Christ in the state of Oklahoma. Revival is here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, Sydney, why don't you come up here if you would? I'm not, I'm not going to make you talk. 
Sydney's the quiet wisdom uh, of the couple. But what I want to do, we've done this before. Some of you know you're about to lose your voice. Um, but there's a prayer that we pray. It's a really simple prayer. It's just the phrase, come on. You guys remember, you know what we're about to do? Okay. So some of you do. If some of you don't, just join in. We're, we're going to pray just a two-word two word, um, prayer, that, but you just keep on praying it. So we're going to shout, come on, over them repeatedly, repeatedly. And we've seen, the whole, I don't know why the Holy Spirit does it, but he just, he knows what we're asking, okay? So, we're, so y'all, y'all ready? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count to three, and when we do it, we say, come on, but just then keep on doing it until your voice cracks, and, and then, then we'll end. Sound good? All right? Um, Baz, Charlie, some young guy, Joy, why don't you guys come up, put your arms around. Here, here's, this is next generation hmm. who are doing the very same things. Let's lay hands on these guys. Anybody else about their age are fusioners? Yeah. Come on, fusion, Next generation. Come on like, this Let's is see some fusion guys. Yeah. Come on, come on. Come on up. Come we all up. decided to wear overalls today. Yeah, come on up. <laughs> he texted me last night and said, where are your overalls, bro? Yeah, come on up, guys. Come on up. Come on up. So God is moving in this next generation, and we need to hand it over. Okay, let's pray. Everybody ready? One, two, three. Bless her feet to bring good news all across the nation in the Jesus fan. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Say hi to these guys. They love to talk. Oh, let's real quick. Would be a good idea to pray for our aircast map? That wouldn't be a bad idea, right? We can put that up there. We're going to preach the gospel. Pray this prayer together. Lord, I pray for the people in my life who are far from you. Deliver them from the evil one. Bring them into your family and help them to grow as your disciples. Amen. Have a great week, guys.